and knit our hearts together. And I don't give my pulpit up on Sunday, especially Sunday morning often, uh, but I felt led this morning uh, to have him preach for us. And, uh, and so uh, I don't even want to know what's going on back there, but uh, um, God is doing something. I'm not exactly sure everything he's doing. I can see some of the things he's doing. And as I've been telling you, I want him to get to know you, you get to know him, and I believe the Lord has put something on his heart this morning that will help us. And so, Brother Philbert, you come make yourself at home, come preach. God bless you, preacher. God bless you. Now, how about that? If you told me when I was 16 years that I would be standing here and preaching, I would say, you've got to be crazy. But I thank God for his grace. I thank God for his mercies. I thank God for his love. I thank God for forgiveness. I thank God for the saving power, the blood. And I thank God for the people he takes out of your life and the people he brings in. What an honor to stand in this pulpit. I've heard so much about this preacher and about his dad, and um, a privilege to stand in this pulpit this morning. Preacher, thank you for the honor. And um, I'm just amazed at what God is doing within my heart. Um, it's good to have my wife, um, Susan Filbert, uh, with us. And uh, she doesn't have often travel, but it's, it's, it's a, a wonderful thing for her to be here with us. Um, I grew up in St. Lucia, born bred, and I want to give a little testimony of what God has put on my heart and how all this thing is working. I grew up in St. Lucia. St. Lucia at that time used to be 90% Roman Catholic. And uh, as one of these staunch men, a young boy in the Catholic Church, I serve as an altar boy, as an acolyte, and headed to be a priest. Actually, in fact, there is a cousin of mine in one of our villages in St. Lucia, who's a priest. And um, at 16 years, my brother got saved before me and had to leave home. And uh, when I was 16, he traveled to a different island looking for work and invited me to come to the island. Now, that's madness because 16 years, I'm held by my mom and dad's strong religious belief and they are bringing the constraint upon me um, not to get involved in, in riotous living, not to drink, not to do all that stuff. So in my mind and my heart, I say, I'm going to go to Barbados. Nobody's there with me except my brother. I'm going to leave it up for a while, then go back to St. Lucia and have both lives and join the priesthood. Well, I traveled to Barbados on the Saturday. On the Sunday morning, my brother told me, let's go to church. I said, I'm not going to your church. I'm Catholic. And he left me to church Sunday night. He told me, let's go to church. I said, that guy's going to bug me for the rest of the time. I'm staying with him. I'll go to church one time with him. And if he says anything, I'll say, I've been there, done that. So I went to church that Sunday night, and I sat the third bench to the back. And a preacher, for the first time, a man got up, opened the Bible. It was not normal in our Catholic belief. Opened the Bible and began to shout. And I say, what 
in the world is happening. That guy preached from John chapter 4 on the woman at the well. And while he's preaching, I'm sweating. While he's preaching, my heart rate is going up. While he's preaching, I began to feel so uncomfortable because he's preaching right at me. And I knew I didn't have the life that that woman had. But I knew that if I died in my sin, with all my righteous deed, I would have gone to hell. And that night, I went forward, and somebody spoke to me and told me, just pray and ask God to save you. Ask him to come into your heart and save you. And I did that, and I've never done drugs in my life. But that night, a weight was taken off my shoulder. It's like a literal weight was gone. And in its place, there was a joy, there was a peace, there was a happiness I never knew before. And my head, my whole body, I felt I was on cloud nine. I was literally walking on cloud nine. And God saved me that night. But not just that, a few years later, God called me to preach. God called me to ministry. I went to Bible school. I met my wife in St. Vincent. And uh, came back to St. Lucia, pastored the church for about two years in St. Vincent. Came back to St. Lucia and uh, eventually found myself at Ambassador Baptist Church. And um, the history behind that, they began to say um, the issue of the Bible uh, became relevant around that time. And I took a stand on the issue of the King James Bible. Well, the other churches around me, um, the pastor who graduated from Bob Jones University, he told me that you live a miserable life, you'll be a loner. So what we did, we got our church incorporated and then began bringing missionaries to help us start churches in the South so I can fellowship with other preachers. And God began to bless that. And then all of a sudden, the ladies from our church uh, started going to Bible college and men, and some of our ladies began marrying preachers across the Caribbean. And our church became known as the Marine Church. And so a young man, a young man who wanted to go to ministry would come, I believe in part because of the influence my wife had on these ladies in the church. And so we have ladies from our church who are married all across the Caribbean and in Zimbabwe, Africa, in the ministry. That gave us a, 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 an insight into the work that they're doing and some impact and influence. And not too long after that, we began bringing in pastors and their wives and church workers to St. Lucia. Uh, for about 15 years now, we started what we call Pastors and Workers Conference. We bring the pastors, their wives, and church workers to the island, um, help them in getting there. Uh, they didn't pay registration fee. We gave them three meals a day, and they got a place for them to stay. And it's amazing what God has gone through that. God began to bring other good men into our lives, Brother Doug Fisher, Brother David Gibbs, Senior, some good guys who came down to the Caribbean into that um, type of conference. And God began to burden my heart. I'm a national pastor, a missionary, church planter. And uh, God began burdening my heart for my people in the Caribbean. We were bringing in missionaries to do the work. But I began recognizing, and, and by the way, I, I must say here, Thank God for America. Thank God for churches like you involved in missions and sending missionaries out all over the world. I believe, in part, that is why God has blessed America. It's because of the Christians, the churches, 
who've been involved in the Great Commission reaching out the gospel around the world. But I began to get concerned because we've done that, bringing missionaries. What we began to see is that sometimes when the missionary leave, the church closes or the church struggles. And being a national pastor, God began burdening my heart to get alongside the national pastors. And um, the goal is to get them independent, self-governing, but self-sustaining so that he can take care of the pastor. And we have, in the Caribbean, we love to go in other villages and start churches. One of the problems we found, when we go to the village, we didn't have the money to buy land. We didn't know, um, we rented, put a building up. And all over the Caribbean, we have problems with brain drain. So our people, and I'm seeing some here, our people leave the Caribbean, travel to the US, travel to Canada and England looking for work. And so um, I got involved with Pastor Doug Foster. I met him at a conference and I began sharing my burden. And what happened when I began sharing the burden that I have, people began laughing at me, think I'm crazy and see all type of things about uh, concerning the, the, the burden that God has given me. But Brother Foster said, Preacher, let's get that going. And uh, there's a businessman in this church, Doug Hero. And so the way we're thinking now is to, how many people have been to the Caribbean? We're not talking about those from the Caribbean, but how many people have been to the Caribbean? I believe the Caribbean is the most beautiful place on planet Earth. And uh, not taking away from the folks here, but I believe St. Lucia is the gem uh, among that. But here's the thing. A lot of our folks migrate looking for work. Um, there's a problem for work opportunities. There's a problem to employ. And tourism is number one um, in St. Lucia and a lot of the islands of the Caribbean. And so what we're thinking is, why don't we invest in the nationals and get alongside them and help them to become self-sustaining so that they can take care of the church, they can take care of the pastor, and the giving, the receiving mentality that's in the Caribbean, we almost like have our hand out, please give me, give me, give me. We want that stop. We thank God for you and partnering with us. But maybe about three, four, five, ten years, that all the churches across the Caribbean, they're about English, French, Spanish, and Dutch Caribbean. They're about 44 million people. And all these people need the gospel. All these people need to have sustainable work that they can take care of their own. That's the burden for Christ for the Caribbean. We've mentioned several things to your pastor about starting a Bible school, a Bible college on St. Lucia. If that burden to reach 44 million people, we also need to train people. And I'm told you have a Bible college here. And uh, so we want to start a Bible college, start printing. Um, one of the things that we involve with is when disaster happens across the Caribbean, we'll get supplies from the states and hire a boat and get the supplies on board and take to the different islands and help them out. Again, 
because we have people on these islands, pastors, uh, ladies from our church, married to preachers, we have a direct line to them. So we, for over about 15 years, have been having the Pastor Lucas Conference. Through Christ for the Caribbean, what we've done now, in January, we were in San, San, San Domingo um, having a Pastors and Workers Conference. And it's a wonderful thing that happened, bringing the teaching and help to the national pastors in San Domingo. And I just came from Grand Cayman. There's a preacher there, Michael Jeremiah Calvary Baptist Church, who hosted the conference. And we brought preachers from Jamaica and people from Cuba and from Bahamas to Grand Cayman and had a wonderful time. November coming um, from the 6th to the 10th is going to be in St. Lucia. We'll keep the one in St. Lucia that have been hosted all over the years. So the impact for me is to reach the Caribbean for Christ. It is the Caribbean, and, and what we've done, we have a board of advisors in North America and a board of advisors in the Caribbean. So help would steam into um, uh, Emmanuel Baptist Church, but as Doug Foster, into Ambassador Baptist Church in the Caribbean, reaching the Caribbean for Christ. This is a movement of the Caribbean getting burdened for the Caribbean. Again, thank you for all what you've done all over the years. And I know it's difficult to change the concept of what we've been doing over the years. I don't know what the preacher have said to you, but I'm, I'm thinking it's about time the Caribbean stand on its own two feet. And so this is what Christ for the Caribbean is all about. So where the foster put me in touch with your pastor and him getting on board and your church getting on board to reach 44 million people, English, French, Spanish, and Dutch. I turned 64 last week, Thursday. So your pastor, we, we sang a land where we never grow old. By the way, as I share my burden with people, I said, I don't want to talk about it anymore because you're ridiculed. People take other motives, think you're trying to build a kingdom. Um, but it's not about that. It was about reaching people. And I said, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm done with this. But every time I say I'm done, there's a fire in my bone that cannot be quenched. And... Um, so you pray for us, and um, I'm looking ahead to see what God uh, will do with what you're doing here into the Caribbean. Something else. People told me I'm crazy. My wife got to the point that you're just talking about that, talking about that. I just can't help it. I found another preacher in Canada who's as crazy as I am. But I found Brother Neil to even more crazy than I am. <laughs> and so when we met last time, when I came through, we just went to a restaurant and just, we just started. <laughs> I said, you thinking of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this time we came and we just, just keep talking. Because I, I, I can't help myself. I just got to say what's on my heart. And he can't help himself just saying what's on his heart. 
Listen, your preacher is not crazy. He's a money for passion and a burden to reach the lost and reach the world. And I'm going to preach on that. Acts chapter number one. Please pray with us. That burden God has given. And what God is, as you get Acts chapter one, God I find now is bringing people into my heart, into my life, that has the same passion to win the loss. But even more so, while you get that text, there's something else. To restore those who's messed up. Can I say that again? To help those who've messed up. We as independent Baptists are the only set of people who shoot our wounded. And if you have people in the army, the army will not leave their wounded. If it's done in the secular, how about the spiritual realm? God help me. God help us. Now I'm finding myself comfortable among a set of people who believe the same thing with the same passion and burden that I have. Acts chapter 1, from verse number 4. I want you to watch the wording and watch how this is written. Jesus Christ is about living the earth. His ministry on earth is over. He's about handing over to a group of men he's trained and discipled. And he's saying to them, being assembled, verse 4, together with them, Watch this. Commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, saith he, you have heard of me. Watch this. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. When they therefore will come together, they ask of him, saying, Lord, Will thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It's not for you to the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Verse number eight. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witness unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of the sight. Verse number 10. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go. I can be easily distracted if I don't keep focus. We can be easily distracted if we don't keep focus on the main thing of what God wants us to do for him. The enemy, if we don't watch it, can start multiple fires in our lives to get us distracted from keeping our eyes, our hearts, our resources, and our emphasis on the main thing. 
So a few minutes, I want to speak on keeping the main thing, the main thing. Our Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this church and Pastor Neil, the leadership of this church, the unique burden you've given him, not just to be normal, <laughs> to be abnormal, not just to be satisfied with where he's at, but to attempt greater things for you. Would you help him? Would you bless him? Would you help this church, the leadership, to keep on keeping on, to follow, to have a burden, the same burden that the pastor has? Would you bind the works of darkness? God, help me as I preach. I pray that you would empower. I pray, God, you hide me behind the cross. I pray you'd remove all hindrances. God, will you take your word, honor, exalt yourself, and help your people. In Jesus' name, amen. This text, the passage we've just read, records our Lord's last meeting with his disciple. As I said, he's about to leave and go to heaven. And Jesus Christ is commanding his disciples. These are the folks that he had discipled and taught while on earth. And he's commanding them and commissioning them to reach the world for him. I'll repeat that. He's commanding and commissioning them to reach the world for him. By the way, that command and that commission has not changed. To reach the world for him. He reminds them of what should be the central focus of their ministry. He reminds them that they are to keep the main thing the main thing. I believe he knew of the distractions that would come. I believe he knew of the disappointments that would come in their life. I believe he knew of what the enemy would try to do to distract them. I believe he also knew of their personal sufferings and issues and circumstances that they are going to face as they get on with the ministries left them, but he wanted them to keep focus. And watch how quickly distractions can take place. Here is the greatest teacher. Here is the master himself about to leave his disciples, and he's having a conversation with them. But look at verse number six. In our text, when they were therefore come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will thou at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said unto them, It's not for you the times of the seasons which the Father have put in his power. So here Christ is trying to have the first missions conference with his disciples. But his disciples were concerned about prophetic conference, doctrine of the last things. 
it's so it's amazing and i don't know about you it's amazing how easy i can get distracted if i don't watch it it's amazing how the disciples those who were closest to him who knew him had the privilege of learning from him how easy can they get distracted and not be focused on what he's trying to say to them they are distracted and they are concerned about Christ coming to establish his kingdom upon the earth. Christ, in essence, said to them, that's not your business. And may I remind us that it's not our business as far as the time and the date and when Christ is going to come. I know he's going to return. Amen. But I don't know when. You don't know when. And so we've got to stay focused on what he's asked us to do. Jesus said, that's not your business. Nothing has changed today. We are so focused on doing so many things, but keeping the main thing, the main thing. As we look at that, Understand in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, that we are his ambassadors. Our citizenship, maybe not you, 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 you American, you, you live in the greatest country this world is known. You're an American, I'm not, I'm a St. Lucian. Could I dare suggest that you're not ready from here? If you're saved and you're blood-bought, your citizenship is not from here. You are representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So we're ambassador. But not as we examine the text number one. If you and I will keep focus. And keep focused on the main thing, which is the main thing. You and I must have, number one, the right message. Look at verse number eight. He said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. What is that message? Jesus says, you shall be witnesses. Unto me. Jesus tells his disciples that they are to be witnesses of him. An ambassador speaks about the country that he's from. Jesus says to his disciples, you've got to talk about me. He is to be the sole focus of the message. It's not about me. It's about him. That message to his disciples has not changed. We are in this world, but not of this world. And my message, your message, should be focused on Jesus Christ. We are not to talk about our lives. And we do have lives. We do have failures. We do have successes. 
We do have issues. But if we focus our message on our successes, our issues, our circumstances, we are distracted. My message, your message should be about him, Jesus Christ. It should be not about my life or my circumstances. It should be about him. Hey, is another one. It's not about my belief. It's not about what I believe. Listen, I am first of all, this Bible is number one. I am tired. of dogmas and doctrines that have no biblical position in the word of God. I'm looking at you, preacher. And Pastor Fisher told me something years ago. The problems that we have now with all the dogmas and, 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 and beliefs and all that stuff that has no biblical mandate. A preacher gets up and preaches a message, and it sounds good. Everybody say, amen, amen, amen. And a preacher invites him to come to his church and preach that same message. And then another preacher has that message. They know how we go. Writes it down and go and preach in his church. Before you know it, that message is preached all over. Before you know it, it's in, the book, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a book. Before you know it, it becomes a dogma. And it has no biblical mandate. My beliefs ought to be what does save the Lord. So it's not about my beliefs, quote unquote. It's not about my doctrine, quote unquote. Thank God I believe the Baptist is the closest there is to scripture. Amen. But you've got to be the Bible first. And so, we, we talk about our beliefs, not just that. And I'm, I'm Baptist, I'm this. By the way, you understand that there is no Baptist written in Scripture? Are we okay? There is no denomination in Scripture. I'm Baptist by choice because it, it holds closest to what the Bible says. Amen. But the Baptist faith can save you. We'll come to that. Too many people make, put so much emphasis on a denomination. Here's another one. My favorite preacher. Christ is now kicked out of our Baptist churches. And it's who the preacher is. God help me. You say, preacher, are you crazy? Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. God is good, Amen. Oh, God help me. Keeping the main thing, the main thing. First Corinthians chapter 2. Look, look, here's what Paul says. And I, brethren, when I came to you, not with, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Watch this. For I determined not to know anything among you save whom? Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech... And my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, and of power, that your faith, 
should not stand in the wisdom of men. But your faith should stand in where? Power of God. That's why it should be. Look at chapter 3. God is good. Chapter, look at verse number 5. Who then is Paul or Paulus but ministers by whom you believe? Even as the Lord give to every man, I have planted, Apollos watered, but who's in charge? God gave the increase, so neither, the neither, is he that, wow. Could you look at your Bible? So then neither is he that planteth anything. Neither he that watereth, I want to add, anything. But God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and everyone shall receive his own record. Reward according to him. Pastor taught on that this morning. For we are laborers together with God. God is in charge. My faith should not be based on a man, but on God. So much today in our independent Baptist churches, so much God help me, division based on men. Amen, preacher. What school did you go to? Who do you fellowship with? Are we okay? Could I submit to you? When America sneezes, the Caribbean catches the cold. So you guys send missionaries to the Caribbean. And the same thing that is practiced there, they try to practice it wherever they go to. The same standards you set here. Is the same thing they try to set wherever they go to. That's why it's imperative for America to set the right standard. Not preferences. I am tired with cult following. Amen, preacher. You said, why are you doing that? I'm just to encourage myself. By the way, I'm not from here. I'm leaving on Saturday going home. So you and I must learn to preach the right message. We are not to talk about ourselves. And here's the last one. God help me. Politics. Am I the right church? Politics is destroying us. Could I say this? And I'm referring to this older preacher, the, past, the pastor's dad. And to you know that, you've been all around the U.S. preaching. And I'm, 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 I'm a nobody. I'm from the Caribbean. But the same happened here, the same is happening in the Caribbean. The problem, church, is not the White House. The problem is the church house. If the church house will get it right, God will move Biden. Are we okay? Is is there any power above God's power? So are we fighting? Why are we stressing ourselves? 
why, why, why we can't enjoy the ride? And we so focus on, God help me, who's the Prime Minister of St. Lucia? Who's in the White House? Now, all that stuff, let me get out of that. You understand that none of these things have the power to save? Romans 1.6, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation. It's the atom bomb. It's the gospel that changes lives. It's the preaching of the gospel. You and I need to get our act together and get back to that. I need to hasten on. Jesus Christ is the only hope. You sang it. We just sang it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man can come to the Father but by me. It's not Mary. It's not the Pope. It's not Samuel Philbert. It's not you, preacher. We are just laborers together. Could just help us that God can use. We must have them right. Listen quickly. We must understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. He's the only way. That's the message you and I got to focus on. That's number one. Number two, we must have the right method. What's the method, preacher? Go back to Acts again. Verse 8. You shall receive power of the Holy Ghost and you shall be witnesses. We made that preacher. The word witness, and, and I'm quickly cutting that down, was used in the Bible like it's used today. It speaks of those who testified in a court of law. The witness will testify what they have seen, what they know to be true. You go to court and they want you to say what you have seen, what you know, what you've experienced to be true. What are you saying, preacher? Let me ask you a question. Do you know that God loves you? Amen. Tell it to the world. Amen. Do you know you are saved? Tell it to the world. Do you know that God can save sinners? Amen. Tell it to the world. Do you know who to tell? Let me help you. Your mom. Your dad. Your brother. Your sister, your co-worker, those you meet at Walmart, those you meet in the grocery store, those you work with. Listen, and I, I, I am for going out and door to door from, from that. But one of the most effective ways I know of people coming to church is by individuals inviting individuals. And then we're a preacher, I've been going through that, and I'm anxious for him to come home and teach our church about that. Could I say something on this? You don't often find people with that type of burden as your preacher. You understand what God is going to do? You must be willing to share him. Amen, preacher. You must learn to share your preacher. Not many people, preachers are like that. And by the way, we don't find many churches who are willing to share the burden that the preacher have for the world. Most churches want to keep their preacher to themselves and hold the strings tight. But you understand you multiply more 
as you expand out to the whole world, your sun never sets. Do you know who to tell? Tell people around you about Christ. And I'm, I'm anxious for him to come home in November at a pastor's conference, but even more so for you to come home for a week. You say, preacher, you're asking a lot. Yes, I'm asking a lot. Because I want that burden that God has placed in my heart, in his heart, to be shed all over the Caribbean. But I want our church. I know I'm diverting a little, and I know I'm not going to complete that message. But you know, preacher, I said to you, and I, I, somehow I said to other preachers, I know sometimes our leadership, I think our leadership understands what the burden here is for the entire Caribbean. There are one or two people in our church who get it, but most people don't. Do you understand your pastor's burden? Come on, talk to me. Do you really understand it? Come on, talk to me. Now, don't say amen if you don't. That's a lie. And you're in church. But do you really understand his burden? Not just for you. Not just to grow this place. But to see people all over the world come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. He wants to tell people. He wants the whole world to get to know Christ. Lastly, we need the right muscle. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Some people say the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Ghost. I'm not Pentecostal. But I believe what the Bible says. You know, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, Christ said, don't go anywhere, stay there. I'm going to send that power. You understand that I cannot do anything without the power of God? Could I, and, and, and I'm cutting that down. You understand that the, these same disciples uh, who, in Luke chapter 24, 24 they, Christ said, stay one place. But before the day of Pentecost, the Bible said they were in fear, the disciples. They were shut up. They, 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 they were scared for their lives. Some of them were timid. Some of them had no power. Some of them were not eloquent. But let me ask you a question. How come on the day of Pentecost... That Peter got up to preach. And the Bible said 3,000 got saved. What turned these timid men in a room for fear of their life to now openly proclaiming the word of God? God's power. I went to Bible school. And I love Bible school. They teach the right things. But I went to Bible school and we were taught homiletics, how to prepare an outline, all alliterations. Shoot. Literally cut somebody. Properly studied, yes. Have a chorus or a poem, and then as you conclude, something else. I've been trained well. never taught to spend time in praying 
never taught prayer and fasting. And I got a, began to meet Brother Doug Fisher, who's really impacted my life. And he began to pour himself into me and taught me the virtues of don't just prepare a message, but know what you're speaking about. And then you know what you're speaking about. Have his power upon you. That will change the world. You see, it's a, a, a band of men and women whom God empowered. And they were able to change the world upside down. The same is possible today. God has no favorites. It is said the world is yet to see, to, to see what God can do with a man who's fully given to him. And after I got saved and I heard somebody preach on that, I said, Lord, I want to be that man. Somebody has said, attempt great things for God. And God will do great things through you. So I said, God, would you please let me be that man? I'm closing with this. God said, yes, you can be that man. But I have to face, first break you before I can use you. And I told you a preacher a little last night. God broke me several years ago. I was God's, I believe before that, God's soldier. I would shoot on sight. <laughs> no compassion. Bam! You wicked you. Bam! You sinner. I mean, that was my... Then God broke me. God allowed some things to happen in my life. change me. It may be God is breaking you. I don't know what you're going through. It may be the process of breaking you so he can use you. Would you submit to him? Would you allow God? There is no graduation before examination. And every one of these men went through issues in their lives before God could use them. We want God to use us, but we don't want to pay the price. Allow him to break you, because if he does not break you, he cannot use you. And if you and I will keep the main thing, the main thing, we got to stay focused and forget the circumstances that you and I are going through. The little small pain, the little small gossip. Put your, face on, your name on Facebook, on the internet, and slander you even before coming to find out what's happening with you. These are God's just breaking points in our lives. And when he's broken you, began to use you, Please pray for me and the burden God has put on my heart of the Caribbean.
keep the main thing, the main thing, and not be distracted by the scoffers, what's on internet, what's on Facebook, but keep focus on the work. Support your preacher. Support the leadership of this church and the burden God has given them. And you'd be amazed to see what God will do. Just come along for the ride and see God use you to do marvelous things. Father,